listening to Resist and Restore, a podcast from the Circle of Hope Pastors where we're extending the table of our dialogue. I'm Johnny Rashid. I use he, him pronouns. I'm Rachel Sensenig. I use she, her pronouns. And Julie isn't feeling well. She, she won't be recording with us today, but we have a great episode coming up for you. It's just a few weeks away from Election Day. It's the big midterm election. So we're going to talk up to my friends Andrew and Rand about how Christians should participate in elections. It's a big question. Mm, yes. Um, important one. Totally. But also what's important is this. I want to start talk back this way. We heard... So... It, in in Rachel's meeting, she's right. She's right at Broad and Snyder, basically. So Broad, like that's, and then just a few blocks south of that is where all the action happens in Philadelphia, as far as professional <laughs> sports goes. Right. And her meeting occurred during the game that the Phillies clinched the World Series in, and they were finishing their meeting, and they were doing talkback, and they were doing they were ending it, and they heard talkback from the street. Because yes. people were celebrating that the Phillies won. What was that experience like? Oh, it was so fun. E- even as we were praying and preparing for the meeting, we were we were checking the score. And I- I'm not, honestly, I'm not even a big, huge sports fan. You know that, Johnny. Um, it's a good time but, to become one, though. But okay. it is. I am totally on the bandwagon for Philadelphia. Um, and it's just really... A lot of I just love seeing how people get excited and are happy together. It sports really brings people together, and I love that communal effervescence. So we were feeling it in the meeting, and um, at, you know, even kind of rushing through the vision time at the end so we could go out on the street and celebrate with everybody. It does feel good when the whole city is excited about it. Like, mm-hmm. I read this article that said, even if you're not a sports fan, it's good vibes if the city yes. is pumped. Um, and I think that that's just an important idea. Um, yes. You know, and the Eagles are doing well. The Union are doing well. So there's a lot of good fortune in Philadelphia as far as sports goes. Um, mm-hmm. I stayed as, I mean, I've, I've done this a few times in my, because our teams aren't always successful. During Super Bowl Sunday, when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, I spoke. This was before the congregations merged. So I spoke at Frank. I was at Frankfurt Ave on Super Bowl Sunday. The pastors switched. And I didn't mention the Eagles once during the sermon. Wow. And like during, I didn't give the talk this last Sunday, but also no Phillies either. Like I don't. So this is, this is interesting. Like a lot of like casual fans talk about baseball now. But for the very religious, since we don't take it lightly, we don't talk about it. <laughs> like, it's just too serious, you know? That makes and sense. And, like, my phone wasn't near me during the Sunday meeting. Wow. And I have my watch, so, like, I'll see some messages. And, like, in the middle of it, I was getting texts from people, like, what is happening? Oof. Dang. And I was like, what is going on? I, I don't like this. It sounds bad, you know? And I definitely had that feeling in me, like, come on, wrap it up. Let's go. <laughs> and, like, the talk was, this, this, this is, I was of two minds about it. Brian is up there, and I'll share about this later, talking about chi and using the Chinese word for spirit in Joel 2, and it was really interesting. And then it generated so much talk back. Mm. And even me, who was in a rush, who was in a rush to go watch the game, I contributed talk back and kind of went on, too. So, like, I was, like, my mind wasn't right. Like, I wasn't... It's it's hard to hold it all together. 
But I wanted to say something about the material. I was interested in it. Um, we care about so many things. That's good. But we were able to broadcast it at the space after. So we watched like the final six outs. So the game hadn't, it wasn't over because our meeting's a little bit earlier than yours. Yours starts at five and mm-hmm. mine starts at four. And so we were able to catch the final two innings. And then when we won, like I was, when Bryce Harper, hit, like Bryce Harper was up and there's two, there's, a, there's, there's, we were down three, two and there's a guy on base and Bryce Harper's up and, and I know it. he's going to hit a home run. He's going to do it. And then he does. And we scream. And wow. then we watched the pitcher close the game out, hollering. And then I went downtown and, like, saw ev- everyone was so excited. I biked Saw downtown. people climbing poles. Yeah, a guy was on a pole. <laughs> and, I, and I went up to, like, there's, and there's, like, a hundred cops under him. And I, like, went. There was a cop next to me. You know, and I was respectful. I, I didn't do it. I was just stood there, you know, watching. And I asked the, uh, the cop, I was like, hey, is that guy going to get in trouble when he comes down? And he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was just, like, amusing to experience that, you know. Uh-huh. Like, I, I've never, like, I've never approached a cop and asked something like that. So that was, like, an interesting experience. <laughs> But so then, like, when do you get down? Da- if you know you're gonna get put under arrest right when you land, like, what's your what's that guy's incentive for coming down? Oh my gosh, yeah, not very much. My son Zach climbed a tree during the um, Eagles parade when we won the Super Bowl, and um, it was the same thing. Except, thank God, he didn't get arrested, but he was he was That's asked awesome. to come down. <laughs> That's so funny. He and he did. And he did respectfully do that. Well, good for good for him. <laughs> but yes, it is it is a lot of fun um that our teams are doing well and I I look forward to the continued celebration here. And if you listen to this, I just want to acknowledge that this is going to come out in a couple in a, like a week and a half. The World Series could be over by then and Maybe we get bad news, but I want to, let's just, for this moment, we're experiencing the joy of what our city is experiencing. And then if we lose, then we'll, we'll, we'll mourn together, too, at that point. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. It's good to have you on the show, uh, listening to our show. We want you on the show, too, so write back to us, Resist and Restore podcast at circleofhope.net so that we hear from you we want to contribute you know we have an episode coming out soon about uh, our producer laura's puerto rican she's going to share about her experience growing up puerto rican in the u.s and what it's like to try to reclaim her heritage and her identity so talk back to that talk back to this episode and keep up with us go to circleofhope.church to find out when our sunday meetings are and when our cells are and also how to share money with us which helps keep this show going but helps keep the whole church going as well And then rate the podcast, give it a high rating, share it on social media, over email, other ways to communicate with people that you think would be blessed by it, and then also subscribe to our podcast. So you can share money with us, you can share the podcast, you can subscribe, and please rate it, and be sure to talk back to us at Resist and Restore Podcast at circleofhope.net. Hey, y'all, I'm so pumped to have my friends Rand and Andrew on our show. Rand and Andrew are part of our church and they have great minds, they're good philosophers, good theologians, have good uh, uh, political takes too. And right on the eve of election day, the midterm election, 
which happens on November 8th. I want to talk a little bit about voting and how Christians should vote, the politics of voting, and how it intersects with how we follow Jesus. So welcome to the show, Rand and Andrew. What's up? Thank you for having me. Why don't you tell us your pronouns, too? Oh, my name is Rand. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. I'm Andrew. I use he, him pronouns. We're all he, him, so that's some limitation here. We're going to need to listen and get some feedback from everybody when you listen to this, and we'll get you on the show, too. Just email resistandrestorepodcast at circleofhope.net. Let's get started, though. I'm going to ask, ask a question, and then you both can share your take, and then if I feel like it, I'll respond, too. Does that sound good? And then we'll just have the conversation like that. So do you all participate in, do you all vote? Do you participate in elections? I do, uh, yes. Yeah, I do as well. Yes, yeah, so do I. Um, and when you participate, do you just like go up and press the button and then that's it? Or what, do you like do the, more? Do you like, like volunteer? The one- do you share money, et cetera? Like how much do you participate? I mean, I, I at least research the candidates. Yeah, I, I researched but in the past. I've done more like um, for uh, Maria Sanchez uh, and Kendra Brooks. I actually knocked on doors and went to polling places the day of to hand out materials and talk to people. And for Bernie Sanders, I gave him money, but I didn't uh, actually go out knocking on doors for him. So you, you gave Bernie money and then for local members of council, you knocked on doors mm-hmm, yeah. for which ones? Maria Sanchez and Kendra Brooks. You did Maria Quinones Sanchez? How long yeah. ago was that? Oh, that was before the pandemic. That was their second. I think that was their second for re-election, uh, not for the initial time. Was um, she being I, primaried? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. she was being primaried, and her also her district was being um, redone. So I think there was some question about whether or not uh, she was getting elected. But um, I got hooked up to those campaigns through Reclaim Philadelphia. I used to do more work with them. That's awesome. Um, so you're both sounds like you're interested in participating in democracy. Um, and so am I, I voted in every election twice a year, every year since I've voted. I've never, I mean, and I've kind of just voted in like a boring way, but for the most part, you know, um, have you ever not participated? Has anything ever discouraged you from participating? Have you ever abstained from voting? I have, uh, voted pretty much in in recent memory uh all the time but uh, there were times when i was younger where i didn't and um, for ideological reasons mm-hmm, yeah i don't i think i i didn't see the value of it and i still i can understand that perspective while it's discouraging um uh to only have two options sometimes neither of one seems very good it kind of seems like a like a good cop bad cop routine sometimes to me especially on the national level but on the local level, I like to get more involved. So on the national level, there is more cynicism and you have abstained from voting. Um, yeah, in the past, yeah. Do you remember when? Um, actually, uh, 2016, I didn't vote. I was not in the country at the time. And uh, So you didn't, didn't vote for uh, against Trump or for who was it? Hillary Clinton. Hillary, really, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't participate in the primaries either. I, because you were traveling? Yeah, because I was traveling, I didn't take the time. I was busy. It's not something that I actually, I actually regret it. Uh, you regret not participating. Yeah, yeah. And that, since then, I have. And what about you, Andrew? Ever not vote? Uh, I mean, I, I guess in t- 2006, I didn't vote. I was a, I was a new voter. It was a midterm election. I didn't know what was going on. I was just in high school. I didn't vote. 
And uh, I think I didn't vote in 2010 either, mid, another midterm election. Also, I was out of the country. It was a hassle to get an absentee ballot, so I just didn't do it. But those sound like just, I didn't know what was happening and I didn't <laughs> participate. Yeah. Like there was never a moment where you're like, I'm not voting. No, it was it was out of pure laziness. So when Michael Bloomberg showed up on the scene in the end of 2019 and was buying all these YouTube ads and he was all over the place. I don't know if you guys, by the way, watch baseball right now or any sports, but like I've just started watching live TV and... The amount of Shapiro and and Mastriano and Fetterman and Oz ads is out of control. Like there isn't even any other advertisements. There's no space for like a Snickers bar. Yeah, that's it's true. all political ads. They buy up the whole space. That's a, it's wild. Anyway, the, uh, Bloomberg was on YouTube and everywhere and, and really pushing it. He's a billionaire, self funded dude. Doesn't even raise his own money, and he was gaining popularity. Um, and I thought to myself, if there's a, uh, if there are two billionaires running, I'm not going to vote. That isn't democracy. And I'm not interested in participating in that system. Now I wrote a blog post about this and that this is before the pandemic. And I went to a Christmas party that Saturday and I got howls of protest against me because I would dare against fascist Trump, tell people that it's okay not to vote. What do you think about that? Were you one of the howlers, Andrew? No, I do remember you saying that, but I, I don't think I, I think I felt, I feel like I was pretty sympathetic to you. Yeah, me as well. Um, I think uh, a lot of people identify with the system in ways maybe they don't even like vocalize and, uh, you know, voting is important. Um, I, th I think the way we think about voting may be sometimes so simplistic and we should think about like what we're instead of thinking of it just purely on a moral dimension, maybe we should think about like what we're actually trying to accomplish by voting. And what do you uh, think that is? Well, I mean, I think people want to change, change their environment, change their world. Right. But I think uh, also that uh, voting uh, doesn't necessarily do that in a lot of elections. I think if you're, if you're, you know, the view of your horizon is essentially that you want to keep things basically as they are now and slow down maybe some attacks on people's rights. That's good. But if you have a more like justice oriented vision of the future that requires that, you know, that's actually progressive, we probably have to do more than just vote. What else should we do? Uh, organize with some local group to start at least. Yeah. So beyond, I mean, voting is one thing, and you've also done like knocking on doors and giving money besides mm -hmm. that participation in elections, mm -hmm. because you can vote and you can amplify your vote by talking and communicating and getting people educated about their rights and how to vote and all that stuff and advocating for against gerrymandering and uh, for like the federal holiday for voting day mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But election day, that is. Um but you're saying organizing on local political issues and other issues can be effective too, or even more effective. Yeah. Yeah. For like, for example, I, uh, I do work with uh, unions right now. I've been interested in building solidarity for uh, the temple nurses union because their contract is up and uh, they're going to enter negotiations for a new thing. So talking to union members, seeing if they're ready to strike, asking what their demand. And you're are. volunteering this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is all. Volunteer. You'd be a good union organizer, Rand. I, I would like to. I think that's a good uh, direction to go in, especially to like, you know, gain concessions from the powerful. 
unions have been affected awesome. in the past for that. So the thing I'm thinking about is I had reasons not to vote and they were specifically focused on the two candidates. Um, I don't have any ideological opposition to voting and I don't have any ideological, um, like I don't feel compelled to vote. I don't have to vote. I also don't have to not vote. Like I'm free to go either way. Um, but in the following week, I wrote a blog post that said, you know, you probably can't keep, can't clean your hands either. Like keep your hands clean. Like if you don't participate, you're still complicit. If you do participate, you are. Do you think Christians should vote? Like we, we, and the reason I ask this is because in our community, circle of hope, we're Anabaptists, at least we're trying to be, you know, um, you're, what, what was that, Andrew? <laughs> I shrugged. Are we trying to be? I think so. And Anabaptists are political quietists. You know, largely, they don't participate in the state. And now we have Anabaptists or Neo-Anabaptists that are like, think that potentially voting at all is wrong. Um, participating in this system is wrong. Some are radical and would say, Participating in a violent system is wrong no matter what. But I think some also don't want to make a political declaration. So should Christians vote? I want to stand up for Anabaptists right now just because I feel like in general, as a community, we've been asking a lot of questions about whether we get anything out of our Anabaptist heritage. I do think that one of the great things about the history of Anabaptism is its lack of involvement with the state and its opposition to the state. I mean, if you're going to be Lutheran or Presbyterian or Anglican, like your church is the state church of some country somewhere or has been or is now. Where is, where is the, where are the Lutherans the state church of? Germany. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Um, but I think the fact that I think Christianity getting in bed with the state is one of the great historical mistakes of the faith. And the fact that Anabaptism has deliberately rejected that is, I think, something that we should be proud of. Having said that, I mean, obviously, there have been times in history, where, or not even history, right now, where lack of political involvement has led to, you know, political quietism, a kind of passivism uh, that's, uh, that just reinforces the status quo. That makes sense to me. What do you think about that, Andrew? Um, Rand, rather. Uh, yeah. So should Christians vote? I think, again, we should think about how we want to approach the world and what we want to do when we approach the world. I think that, uh, I think that, I think that people should, and maybe Christians ought to, I think, um, I think about, and like to bring in like biblical verses, like, I think of like Jesus's interactions with like centurions and Roman soldiers a lot. Um, and not, you know, like, uh, and how they talked about how they exist under authority about what Jesus told the centurion to do when he asked what he wanted to do in terms of like his duty. I think like they, those were people that were ruled over and, you know, we don't like to think of ourselves that way, but in our current society, we are also ruled over by authorities beyond our control. And, um, how do we deal with that situation responsibly? I think voting could be one way to do that. And uh, so I don't know if there's a, a blanket answer across, you know, the United States, definitely not across like history in the world, but 
non-participation just because we don't want to be involved with the state doesn't mean we live under i mean we do live under one so i think we have to acknowledge that i mean the other thing is and this goes back to Rand's point earlier, is I never want to assume that voting is the only thing that anybody is doing. I'm not really into compelling people to do things, you know, out of faith. I think that's comes from bad places. And also, you know, you, in Romans 14, Paul talks about how there are certain things that aren't just aren't worth fighting over because we're, we're, we're all trying to follow this ethic, uh, this ethic of love. And we might fulfill it in different ways. And within that, there are different ways to do it. Uh, so somebody who tells me they're not voting i'm not just going to assume that they're uh you know doing nothing i i don't i think christians shouldn't do nothing i will yeah. say that um but i don't know if that necessarily means that christians have to vote i vote um a lot of people around me who are trying to do something also vote i i that's as far as i'll go i think in some ways, just because I, I like people who vote and I don't want to lose credibility with them. I mean, there's that, el that element of it as well. I That's do a lot so of true. Voting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in, that, in that sense, voting is a way to connect to other people who are allies in the work that we're doing. So voting legitimizes you in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. To the Jews, they became a Jew. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think voting is worth about the time it takes to do it, you know. Um, and I'm grateful that I live right by my voting station and I can go there and do it in 10 minutes and then move on, especially in the midterms because no one votes. So I want to go back and think, I think, like, are there reasons that you wouldn't be compelled to vote? Well, who would have to be on the ticket to keep you from voting? Like Donald Trump and George Bush. That'd be hard for me. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Since like the neocons are kind of going over to the Democratic Party, if one of them got the nomination somehow, it would be hard for me to vote for them too. Because the Democrats are more hawkish now than they've been. Yeah. And also, yeah, the neocons don't like uh, Donald Trump, you know, like Liz Cheney, those people. They're on the out of the, the, the party they created no longer belongs to them. So they're kind of bitter about that, I imagine. You hold them responsible for creating the current iteration of the Republican Party, and now it excludes them. Yeah. I yeah. think that's very astute. And by that, I mean, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, who'd have to be on the ticket for you not to vote? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would probably I would have voted for Bloomberg, probably. OK, I, so I, no I, one I would. I mean, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. I just think Kanye West or Donald Trump. Those are other choices. I think I would I would sit down and I would pick one of them most likely. I, I think it would have to, the system would have to be so far gone for me just not to vote. And I think there are systems in the world that are like that, where voting basically is just a farce to legitimize somebody who's going to win anyway or something. To that extent, if I were to able to not participate, you know, without risking my life, I would probably not participate or prefer not to. But as long as it does a little more good than harm, um, I, I might, I think that's where I'd be, I'd vote. So in your estimation, it is better to vote, I'm just going to be real graphic, better to vote for a neoliberal than it is for a fascist. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, I would say that too. And I, I'd also just to talk about the other question, like um, uh, the American system doesn't really incentivize not voting, like... Um, in some systems, you can delegitimize an election if, if not enough people show up. Like I know that um, when uh, the Soviet Union and America were trying to partition Korea into two pieces, that was a tactic the Koreans used. They didn't vote in mass and it delegitimized the election. 
but uh, in America, that's not really like a tactical thing that we can do. So, so yeah. I mean, I, go ahead, Andrew. Well, speaking to that, there are also ways that you can make a, an election more democratic, uh, and different ways of uh, counting votes and and tabulating votes and different systems you can put in place. The American system is pretty archaic. Um, and if anything, it's getting worse because the Supreme Court is rolling back civil rights legislation that expanded the right to vote. Um, so I think even within the spectrum of voting, there are better and worse just systems of voting. We There's a lot of ways that we can. So how, how, how do you think our system should, like we have a very binary system. It's, it's bipartisan. There's two parties and winner take all type of thing. There's no other ways to vote. It's a popular vote. Um, and the, the electoral college makes it a little bit even more convoluted um, and less democratic in some way. Do you have ideas for how to make our systems better? Like should non-participants get a voice in a way that Rand was talking about, like in Korea? Maybe if here's I, I I can't speak intelligently about this in the way that some people can because this is a deep dive into systems and and basically like game theory. Um, but yeah, we have an extremely binary system that results in the in a two party system is basically inevitable with the American system. But there are other options. You know, there are parliamentary systems. There are rank, there's ranked choice voting. There are ways that other democracies have come up with ways to give more people a vo- voice. Ranked uh, choice. Yeah. Or you like you rate your choice. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with everything Andrew said. Also, I'll just I'll say like a lot of uh, like the things we associate with our democracy that we really like about our votes were actually gotten through like movements, you know, on the streets, the labor movement, the civil rights movement stuff. So. Uh, I think maybe our, our definition of democracy should probably expand a little bit beyond voting or on a, on a normal basis. So I, we can affect change based on protesting in the streets and um, activism that helps put issues on the ballot, that helps elect people that advance certain causes. Like there was never a vote to be like, should black people have civil rights? Like we did work to make that happen, you know? Um, so let's, let's, let's shift for a little bit here. And I, I wonder how you can answer this. We're Christians and we follow Jesus of Nazareth. You think Jesus would vote? Yeah, that's an interesting question, right? I, I, if he could use it to make a point about the kingdom of God and the coming of the kingdom of God, then maybe he would vote. I don't think he would identify with, uh, a political party like the Democrats or the Republicans, but yeah. Does that mean we shouldn't? No, no, no. no. I'm just Not wondering. Me. Yeah, I'm just thinking about it together. Andrew, what do you think? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think Paul would vote. My answer was similar. I said Jesus wouldn't vote, but Paul would. I think Paul would vote. And I I I like Paul as a guy. Like I feel like I would I would probably do what Paul does. And we would both struggle with whether Jesus would vote. And I'm okay with that, I think. So you and Paul, the Apostle Paul, would go vote, and you wouldn't know if your Lord and Savior would vote. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, you already said to the Jews, I became a Jew, is similar to, I vote to gain legitimacy. Paul might vote for that kind of pseudo-cultural reasoning. Like, I don't think Jesus would be on Twitter, but I think Paul would be. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think there's, I don't even think that's wrong, necessarily. I mean, 
in the Gospels, immediately after Jesus, the, the movement expanded beyond Jesus. And and they the story of Christianity is Jesus giving the church permission to do that. So I think that's okay. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, yeah, that's that's good. Um, let's keep going for a little bit. Um, when we think about this, 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 like Andrew, you said, look, the system isn't totally broken, so voting still counts. Um, but for the most part, the parties are not imagining new realities um, for our existence. There isn't an abolish the police party. There isn't a prison abolition party. There isn't a party that's very aggressive about environmental restoration. You know, I think all of the measures are still too short and too weak. And then they're also still violent, you know, like I don't trust that the populists are not as warmongering as the Democrats. The right, like I think they're both, they both are. Um, and I think, yes, Donald Trump would have gotten us closer to a nuclear war even than Joe Biden, but now we're like funding Ukraine and that huge conflict is happening and nuclear war is on the table. Um, voting to participate in systems that are broken like that seems like a big stretch to me. So I, I'm in the tension of like, am I, am I supporting this or am I not? Am I, uh, h- how does it work for me? You know, I'm supporting the commander in chief. I'm supporting local le- leaders in Philadelphia that are like, pro-police, thus pro-police brutality, you know? Um, How do we do that? How can we move beyond, like, the fear of getting our hands dirty and also just the willingness to participate, even if it isn't totally clean? Uh, I would say, like, just voting in of itself doesn't mean that you support the state. It could just be an acknowledgement, like I was talking about, that we live under the authority of systems that are... uh, beyond our control and those systems uh, to perpetuate themselves uh, often don't give us a choice to do, to do certain things like, you know, like I have to have a job. I need to buy goods, Mm -hmm. commodities that are made uh, by like illegitimate immoral means and stuff like that. These things uh, like society doesn't allow us to be the world itself doesn't allow us to be completely clean. So I think that uh, I think we just need to, be realistic about that. I agree. I think that realism is really important to these conversations. Some people would talk about voting as like a lesser, you vote for the lesser of two evils for harm reduction. Um, And like, for the most part, that's how I felt in my life. You know, when it's Mitt Romney and Barack Obama in 2012, it's like, these two people are very similar. I like Obama a little bit more. I like that he's black. I'll be honest with you. Representation matters. He was more progressive on certain issues. He was very interested in healthcare. Um, and even though we got the ACA is a, a mess of a law created by too many lawyers. Sorry, Andrew. Once lawyers get involved, things get more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was like, okay, I could do that. But like, that felt like the lesser of two evils. That felt like harm reduction. But like, when I'm looking at like, Doug Mastriano as the governor, when I'm looking at like far right populists, Christian nationalists, Christo fascists, like all of a sudden the dialogue becomes a lot more existential. Like participating seems a lot different, you know, it's not like Mitt Romney was going to lead an insurrection. 
you know, of the Capitol, even though that he did proudly take Trump's endorsement, I want to note. Um, so Senator Romney isn't exactly uh, that different, but it feels so different to call that harm reduction. It feels like, hey, like things might really change, you know, and we're already seeing some of that. Like the Supreme Court right now is a very conservative. It's a very uh, it's an activist court, in my opinion. And they just took away the right uh, women's reproductive health. You know, they might take away affirmative action in the next segment. They might take away uh, prote- the protection of LGBTQ rights. Like these things, like our, our whole things that we fought for, Rand, for years, like you're saying, could just be taken away in one, in one decision. So do you feel different about the upcoming elections and the ones that we've had recently than you did 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Well, uh, I would say that generally I don't like using arguments like lesser evilism and harm reduction um, uh, because, well, harm reduction is a little bit simpler to explain. Essentially, you know, both parties do harm. It's hard to quantify who does less. But if you have specific issues that you care about, like I think I care about women's right to choose, I care about affirming LGBTQ people, then you want to vote for that party. But, you know, like, Biden, uh, under Biden, like uh, border detentions have gone up 50%. That's a pretty nasty stat, however you want to slice it, right? So like, how is is the harm reduced? To some people it is, to some it isn't. Uh, Lesser evilism, I feel like, only makes sense if you look at elections in a very piecemeal way. But if you look at like a historic trend of elections, like uh, you can see how things bleed into each other and how the lesser evil of one era can lead to a greater evil later on. I'm kind of talking about like, if you look at how Reagan, what he did to America, and then how Bill Clinton kind of Reaganized the Democratic Party, and how that led to, you know, the like, the kind of like, corporate, uh, like welfare of the Bush era, and the lack of responding to the poverty it created through through the markets with Obama and then Donald Trump. So I just think like lesser evilism isn't, a, isn't a good, it's not, well, first of all, it's not very motivating, is it? No. Like, why don't we actually fight for something that we want rather than uh, be very passive and get something that we don't want, but is not as bad as, you know, whatever else. So I, I feel like, yeah, if we, t- if we don't take a piecemeal approach to this, I don't think either of those things are convincing. That being said, I am going to vote this and I'm going to vote for uh, um, Shapiro and uh because, you know, I have this work that I'm doing with labor unions, and I think that has the capacity to be offensive in terms of, like, trying to get concessions from people. If I have to retreat and defensively uh, defend uh, women's rights, which were won decades ago and we shouldn't have to defend, then that takes up my time, and I can't be more offensive in my uh in my, in my political organizing. So you can't advance certain causes if you have to go back and like relitigate all the things that all the progress that we've already made. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm going to vote in the Pennsylvania elections in November. 8th. Are you going to vote Andrew Yang next week? Yeah. Are you on the Mastriano Oz ticket? <laughs> uh, yeah. What? No. I'm just messing around. Sorry. All right. I shouldn't make foregone like assumptions like that about politics because it can be isolating in case we have Trump listeners. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. All those Trump listeners listening to Resist and Restore. We might have a lot of Christian podcasts. You know, All it's right. on the Christian we, network. Christians, yeah. Christians mainly support Donald Trump. 
I, I, this is true. That's why I try not to interact with them. <laughs> so are you going to participate? Yeah, of course I'll. But I mean, yes, I will participate. I guess I should also shouldn't assume that as a foregone conclusion. But you said, of course, because yeah. <clears throat> because um, you know, because of everything that we've just said, and also because I I don't think harm reduction is a is a bad metaphor or or analogy. Uh, I I harm reduction comes out of a public health context, specifically the public health context dealing with drug use, and I think that when you are on the ground seeing actual people that are going to be hurt by policies it yeah it voting now takes on a different resonance than it did 10 years ago because uh, these things feel more existential they're more urgent i th- what like it or not like what happens in washington affects actual people um you know the end of the public health emergency which is coming most likely in january is going to mean millions of people who are being going to be taken off medicaid and many will die. So this is a big deal. We're talking about life and death. Yeah. So being cute about not voting can sometimes just have extra, like as, as, as much as we can do outside of voting in terms of activism, in terms of outreach, in terms of organizing, when it comes down to it, even the simple act of just going to the ballot and voting really matters. I would could, say that. It could yes. save lives. Like it, the, There's policies in place that keep people literally alive. Yeah. And I don't, again, I don't want to put too much power in the act of voting as if voting is all you need to do. But I also wouldn't say that about any other uh, any other tool that we have for agitating for public change. I, I think if all you're doing is marching, uh, I don't think that's ideal either. Uh, if that's all you can do, then I, I'm not going to, I'm not criticizing you. People are busy. People have lives. But if that's but if you think that well, you might one, not be you might be a felon, you might be uh, absolutely. There are good reasons vote. not to yeah. not to demonstrate or to vote They're like. And so I'm not going to uh, judge people for that. But there's no but it is uh, merely voting isn't going to change anything, but also not voting isn't going to. I think Christian nationalism is bad. And the less Christian nationalists we have in power, the better the world is and the better Christianity is. And I always think that, like, I don't want the loudest Christians to be the most, to be the most insane ones. Sorry, I don't want to be ableist, to the most uh, um, racist and chauvinistic ones. Um, so I want to be clear about that. That's one reason to vote. I don't need, I don't want elections to be overturned. This whole thing that, that Mastriano supports is is wild to me, you know? Um, and there is a, obviously an irony for people who think the elections are rigged um, camp, um, running in those elections. Like, obviously you don't, you don't entirely think this because you're running in it. You know, you're asking people to participate in the system you think is broken. But yeah, I mean, I think that especially, I mean, Mastriano can overturn election results in Pennsylvania and Oz can make it impossible to get any legislation passed in the Senate, which is already too powerful. Like there are rules that keep legislation from moving forward. Um, And I think that our laws and our policies are more important than our elected officials. Um, So that's why both those two Fetterman and Mastriano will get my, uh, get my vote too. That's a person that's I'm sharing what I'm personally doing. And I want to be clear that we're not endorsing any candidate. Um, before we wrap up, let me ask you this. You want to make any predictions about what's going to happen? I think Shapiro is going to win. You think Shap- we got Shapiro? Uh, but what do you think about Fetterman? 
I think it's too close. I don't know. I'm hoping that he won't. It's a toss-up, as as Nate Silver yeah. would say. I, I think the <laughs> people are very concerned about the stroke, which I think is unfortunate because, like we said before, like uh, I don't think that it's actually affecting its ability to make decisions. And also, I work with people who have aphasia on a weekly basis. It would be, I'm sure they would love to see someone who has aphasia, like in a position of power, so people know about the condition and what it means and what it doesn't mean. You know. What do you think, Andrew? What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I don't have any predictions. I don't want to make a soundbite that we were going to come back to in six months and be like, dang, we were stupid. I think it's fine. I'm saying Fetterman and uh, and Fetterman and uh, Shapiro will win. Um, and I think the Phillies will win the World Series in six, too. So there you go. All my wow. predictions. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, my dudes. Thanks for being on the show. It's good to have you. Yeah. Thank you good for having talking me. to you, Johnny. Wonderful. We like to end our show with a little discussion on what's been nourishing our soul lately. We call this spiritual show and tell. Um, so, Johnny, I know we've been talking recently about how lots is nourishing our soul, our souls recently. So, I wonder if you'll share with us here what's your spiritual show and tell you're bringing. I'd love. I'd love to. I mean. It was based on what I was saying earlier. Brian gave a talk about qi, the Chinese idea for energy, and how it helps us understand that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, isn't just an idea that's in our heads, but like a whole vibe, you know, a whole feeling, a whole different way of approaching it. And how they see it in in Asian American cultures and Chinese culture, but also in Korean culture and uh, in Japanese culture, similar ideas... um, is just more holistic, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's all over. The spirit of God is everywhere, you know. And it is like in Joel too, where like you hear the the wind and the fire, and the whole environment gets filled up with the spirit. It's not just an individual thing. And I think it's important for us in the West to get a bigger idea of what's happening. So he listened yes. to a lecture from Grace G. Sun Kim, who's an Asian American, a Korean American theologian and professor of theology at a conference he was at, and then he brought her ideas to us and helped us kind of embrace it all. And here's what nourished my soul. Like, the idea is, um, the the Chinese character for qi looks like it has rice and that's steaming off of it. It has steam coming off of it. So it's a beautiful image. And he really wanted to have a bowl of steaming rice for communion. Like, the actual communion lets off the, the, the spirit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um it's hard to keep rice warm during a meeting, so he made these, like, little... He, like, wrapped up... He made, like, sushi rolls with rice in them, so that was a real fun way, and it was actually more nourishing than, like, the little wafer and the juice. Although we had that on the side in case people really wanted to do that. But I think that experience with black tea, with the theme of the tea and the whole thing, was real special and a new way to participate in communion and to receive the body and blood of Jesus. So I thought that was awesome. That definitely nourished my soul. Um, and it was also tasty. <laughs> that is beautiful. Uh, what's been nourishing my soul this past week is meditating on this podcast episode called No More Grind with Trisha Hershey. Um, my friend Rebecca McClendon, who is our capacity core team leader um, and leader of our leadership team core, 
sent this to Julie and I, um, and I had heard, I'm familiar with Trisha Hershey's work, um, the Nat Ministry, and um, was interested in ordering her book. And I love this this interview with Glennon Doyle. Um, the it's it's on the We Can Do Hard Things podcast, where she really gets into. Um, she explains a lot of what's in her book. Um, she obviously doesn't just like sit around taking mm-hmm. naps. She's I, I mean <laughs> naps are important, um, but she's doing this deep theological work in practice. Um, in, in her own body and then willing to share with others um, how restorative it can be to slow down and to pause mm. and to move into a more imaginative space. She says we can't we can't um, we can't imagine a better world when we're completely exhausted. Um, and of course, capitalism, white supremacy, um, and the the combination of those two forces have have put us into this this system, this way of being, where totally. like, we are we are what we do and what we produce instead of we are beloved creations. Um, in a in a relationship with God, with, with the indwelling Holy Spirit, the chi that you're talking about. Yeah, totally. Um, and so she describes how we can get into we can get into a deeper place of rest um, where we can imagine and create with God, um, not just through actually resting. You can you can get into that space like in an actual dream state, but in being intentional about slowing your life down. Like she doesn't do meetings over 30 minutes. That's and, awesome. And, and she says no a lot. And she talks about how like she's she's giving up opportunities all the time because she's really prioritizing um, this pace and the, this way of being that is restorative. So she really inspires me, Trisha Hershey. And I'll put the link in the in the show notes to this episode. But you could also order her her new book, which I believe is called Rest is Resistance. Excellent. So you'll link that too? Yes. Great. So you're seeing both Rachel and I are coming up with new ways to challenge how we've been formed by what the West. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're continuing to expand ourselves as much as we can. Yes, thank you for joining us. I hope your soul is nourished in some small way by being here with us and listening to this show. And like Johnny said earlier, we hope that you'll share it and like it and continue to be on this journey with us toward liberation and wholeness. Y'all watch the Fetterman Oz debate? No, I read a bit about it. Um, Do you think Fetterman's stroke prevents him from serving as a senator? Um, no, because aphasia is not like a it's a it's a disorder of communication, not of intellect. So his problems uh, wouldn't influence his decision making or anything. So like that. there's no mental his mental acuity is the same. Yeah, I did not watch the debate. What do you think about the question, though? You're a disability attorney. Are you yeah. still? 
Um, I'm not anymore. <laughs> I'm not anymore. But right now, I yeah, I'm I'm not technically a disability attorney anymore. But I I mean honestly, I think it's an asset to him. If I if I, I'm being honest, I think we need more people with different processing capabilities. Um, maybe it'll give him some kind of sympathy for people that uh you know don't move through the world the same way that able-bodied people do. I think that's a good thing to have. Great. Maybe Laura can use that in a little bonus footage, but for now, we're going to get started. Now we're recording right now. Okay. I'm going to just introduce you. 